Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We've got another great show for you today, breaking down the Texas Rangers top 10 prospects and their farm system. And to do that, we are joined by Jeff Wilson. Jeff is a longtime Rangers beat writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, longtime contributor to BA. He took over the Rangers top 10 for us this year and their chapter in the prospect handbook. Jeff, the Rangers posted the worst record in the American League last year. Things spiraled pretty badly after a decent start. Really, the last 40 some odd games were pretty disastrous. The team will pick second overall in the 2021 draft. This is a farm system that has some interesting players. We saw a lot of guys come up and make their debut at the end of the season last year, but by no means is it the deepest system or the strongest system. Uh, It's still in the building stages. When you look at where this organization is, the big league team, the farm system, how would you assess kind of the state of the union? And, And to that end, how far away are they from really competing again? Yeah, you know, I I don't think you know they've stated they're not going to compete this year. They're 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 in it to to rebuild to get these young guys uh, playing time, uh, at bats, innings on the mound, see what they've got. Um, and I don't I don't I don't think they'll be they'll be winners and or contenders in twenty twenty two either. I think twenty twenty three is kind of the year. Uh, you know, you saw like you you mentioned the guys that are. They, they had a lot of guys who came up <clears throat> last season um, <clears throat> and some of that was out of necessity um, just because they, you know, injuries or whatnot. But <clears throat> I think a lot of those players will start in the minor leagues this year. I'd be surprised if, you know, like, like a Sam Huff, he's going to start in the minors. Anderson Tejeda, Shirt and Apostle, the, the, those guys will start in the minor leagues. So I, I think, I think there's some time here. Uh, you know, the, the, that's the group that the Rangers want to build with. But I still think that they're, the Rangers recognize that they're not ready to, for a full major league season. So um, I, I think you will see some of them uh, eventually. Uh, others that, that were at the alternate camp, you know, instruct guys. But um, this team's not going to be good this year. I mean, there's just, there's just no way around it. And uh, I don't think they're going to be very good in 2022 either. So, um but, you know, the Rangers are really high on, on their system. And they, they, they feel that if there had been a minor league season last year, a lot of guys would have taken off in their development and, and the, the system would be ranked higher or, or more thought of uh, talent-wise. Right now it's probably just a depth system. Um, but uh, the, the Rangers are optimistic. And, I mean, they don't really have any, any other position to be you know, you're here, you're here at the basement of a rebuild and the only way to go is up. So you better have a lot of optimism and then patience. We have seen the Rangers make some moves both in the front office and on the field this offseason. The biggest, obviously, bringing Chris Young in to be the general manager. 
terms of on the field, they traded Lance Lynn. They got back Dane Dunning, a nice young starter, which is something they needed. They traded a couple prospects for Nate Lowe, who, again, young first baseman who has some major league time and projects to be better, frankly, than the other first baseman they have in the organization. And they, I thought, made a nice signing when they signed David Dahl after he was non-tendered by the Rockies as well. This is someone who was an all-star as recently as 2019, has battled injuries, but is very talented when he can stay healthy. So I feel like we are seeing the Rangers start to bring in young, talented, controllable players from the outside, which is something they needed to do. We've seen them play some guys in recent years who it was pretty clear are, are really not everyday caliber major leaguers. And so I do think making some additions from a couple different avenues, again, one training a veteran, one training some prospects, one signing as a free agent. I do think that was an encouraging first step for them to take to get, frankly, some better major leaguers than they currently have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's, I think, I think you're starting to see a plan come together with those acquisitions. Um, you know, and, and really you could go back to Nick Solak, the, the Solak Fairbanks trade, you know, Nick Solak has a chance to be the starting second baseman. He really, I mean, he should be the starting second baseman. I'm, I've, I've made my feelings clear on, on Ruben at Odor. Um, you know, I, th- I think that's a hurdle right now is up the middle. Um, you know, Anderson and Odor, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, somehow like end up in a crazy kind of platoon situation at third base this year uh, cause they want to, the Rangers want to see Solak. They, they moved Kiner Falefa to shortstop, uh, which, which will affect Anderson Tejeda, his, his progress, uh, his, his march to the majors, but the Dunning trade, the low trade would, would, you know, both of which you mentioned. Um, yeah. It, it's, they, they've moved on from Ronald Guzman at first base. It looks like they know that they needed young pitching and they had a, a, a guy who is attractive in Lynn. And so, you know, if you look at some of these trades that have gone down, I think they did pretty well in it, honestly, to, to get, <clears throat> to get Dunning. So um, the ba- the base is there and, and, you know, I don't, I don't know what to expect from Dahl. You know, I, I'm, I know he's, he doesn't like the, uh, uh, the, the tag that affects all Colorado hitters, you know, that they can only hit in course field. Uh, so I think that'll motivate him too. Yeah, again, I think with him especially, injuries are the biggest thing. I think the talent is pretty clear, and now we just have to see if he can stay healthy. But I need to be honest, for most of the past few off-seasons, I've looked at the Rangers and their moves and been like, what are they doing? And this is actually the first off-season in a while where I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. Bringing in good, young major leaguers that they can hang on to for the next four, five, six years and, and grow with and build around. Yeah. You know, and I, I thought last off-season <clears throat> when they got Kluber – you know, they miss out on Rendon. They really wanted Rendon. So they go and get Kluber. And, you know, I, I asked John Daniels this the other day, you know, we're, we're talking and I said, what if, what if there isn't a COVID-19 shutdown? Well, you know, what if, what if the season goes off on track, the pitchers stay healthy, you know, cause, cause I think a lot of the, you know, the Mike Miner issue and the Kluber injury were kind of the result of shutting down and starting up again. So let's say everybody's healthy start the season with, with, with a pretty good rotation. Are you in this position? And he said he thought he was because they didn't score any runs. I mean, offensively, they were horrid. Right. And uh, I mean, the pitching wasn't very good either, but um, they needed to start over. And I, I think that, <clears throat> I think that they realized that uh, and that they might've known it even before last off season, but last off season kind of had a go for it. Nah, maybe not go for it feel, but, when you get Corey Kluber, 
and and you sign Kyle Gibson and you trade for Jordan Lyles, who had a great end of 2019. You're thinking, all right, these guys are serious about it. But um, and and you know maybe some of that was the new ballpark. They wanted to open the new ballpark with a, a team that might might be interesting to fans. So um, I don't, I don't know, but I, I do know that this is where they were going to end up. I think the starting pitching additions last offseason, you saw that. There's no question. I think you could say, oh, those were nice moves. But the fact they didn't do anything to address what was just frankly not a good offense, aside from bringing in Todd Frazier, it was pretty clear that wasn't enough. Uh, But as we move into this farm system in the future, because right now this is an organization building for the future, that's what there is to look forward to. Josh Young took the number one spot in their top 10 prospects for the second straight year. He was their first round pick in 2019 out of Texas Tech. And obviously has not had a ton of time to show what he can do. Made his pro debut and the 2020 minor league season was wiped out due to COVID-19. However, he, by all accounts, had a really, really impressive stint at the alternate training site. And then just speaking with evaluators who were in Arizona throughout instructional league, the reviews on this guy's bat were very, very, very strong, both as a hitter as well as his power. I know at one point that was a question, how much power is going to be there. It seems like the Rangers have someone who potentially could be kind of a cornerstone in their lineup here. And it seems, at least from the outside, like that made him almost a slam dunk number one prospect. Yeah, you know, it, it's not it, – it's interesting because last year – when I, I did my own little rankings for the, the star telegram, I had Sam Huff as the top prospect and it was pretty much unanimous uh, in the, in the Rangers front office that Huff was their number one prospect. And uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it is, is upside. A lot of it had to do with the position. I mean, if you get a, a, a catcher, uh, I mean, I kind of think about Matt Weeders when you think of the size of, of Huff, um, but a guy who could hit a ton of home runs and is good defensively at that position. Um, I, th- I think that's what the Rangers had in mind. They definitely liked young, but obviously they hadn't seen him. And I think there were some questions about, about the power that, that you just brought up. <clears throat> uh, Josh was at the alternate camp throughout the summer. Um, you know, he participated in the, the summer camp spring training point 2.0, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, I, I think a lot of it was attitude. He played like second base. He, he played, you know, he played shortstop in college. Uh, so he just moved around, what, did whatever he wanted. I guess he was a good rookie. You know, you, you pay, if they say jump or you, you ask how high. And so uh, he did a lot of that. But he also, you know, was holding his own against uh, the, the pitchers who would come up from the alternate camp kind of the triple A, four A level guys, uh, had no problem with them. He developed pulse side power, which uh, was something that even on draft day they were they kept talking about how his power was mostly to right center field, uh, which obviously is a great sign of a great hitter, but they needed more pull side stuff and and they saw that this year. And um, yeah, I mean I it, and, and this year when we talked to him about when I was asking these people who's the top prospect, it was, it was clearly Josh Young. So uh, even though he didn't have a season, he did some, he did some stuff. He, he, he made it, he took advantage of his time. Yeah. This is one of the players I know I'm going to be most intrigued to see next year, just because again, we haven't gotten to see a lot of him, especially the new and improved Josh Young, but the reports out of instructs were loud enough to leave me pretty intrigued. I would be 
very surprised if he's not the starting third baseman by the all-star break. Um, that's, and that's an indication I got from a couple people. Um, and so I just, you know, time, you know, I, I, I guess that it'll be time. Now I don't, you know, when, it, when you, when I think of rushing, rushing guys, you know, I, I think Alex Gordon's always the guy that I, I, I think of, but you know, it, you know, it, that was a based on a spring, an amazing spring training. Um, so I, I think that Josh, three months in the minors, three months at AAA, I think, I think he's going to do enough that the Rangers are going to say, all right, it's, it's time to, it's time. So Josh Young was clearly number one prospect in the system. The two, three, four group, Sam Hoff, Leody Tavares, and the recently acquired Dane Dunning. Uh, there were a bunch of different conversations, including after the Dunning acquisition where he fits. Ultimately, how did this group shake out and how many guys were really in this next tier? Does it extend all the way down to Cole Wynn? How does it kind of stack yeah. up? <laughs> yeah, it, it, I did have uh, one person who thought Cole Wynn <clears throat> could make a claim to it, um, which is interesting. I, 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 I think he's another guy who took advantage of the, the time in the uh, – the alternate camp, he, he wasn't there the whole summer, but he was there enough. Um, kind of like Young, he, he uh, held his own against against some of the hitters that, that were there, kind of the AAA, 4A type guys who were kind of on the the fringe of, of, the, of the major leagues. Um, Huff, Huff was probably still had some strong support. <clears throat> I think that's why I put him to Tavares. You know, the Rangers, what, what, whatever he had done the last two years in the minor leagues, I think he erased a lot of those concerns. Um, personally watching him, I mean, I don't, I don't have the same eye for talent that a lot of people have, but I just really was impressed with the way he uh, conducted himself uh, as a professional. I, you know, no questions there. The, the defense is remarkable. The speed is remarkable. And I think maybe, maybe the offense was, you know, if you look at the final numbers, you're like, oh man, that's not, that's not great. But I, I wonder if the offense is, is rated a little too high by a lot of people in, in the organization, myself included. But um, that, that's, that's, those were the three guys mainly that I juggled with um, young Huff, Tavares, but but then you know in in the end it was clear it was it was young and then Dunning, uh, I mean he he's got a lot he's got something that that Colwin and Hans Kraus and 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 Yanni Enriquez whoever you want to say has and that's major league experience. I mean he's ready, you know, and I think you know what you're getting with him. And um, it's not to say he can't get better. It's not to say he's going to get worse, but um, he's more of a finished product. And I think that. Uh, the reassurance, if anything else, the the, the less risk uh, helps make him a, a higher prospect than than Colwin in our in our rankings. Yeah, this was an interesting group. I know when the Dunning acquisition happened, there was a lot of discussion. You speaking with our staff, you speaking with Rangers front office officials, us speaking with opposing scouts about where exactly he fits, and ultimately he slotted in behind Leody Tavares, and a lot of that was based on the Rangers' internal belief in Leody. You mentioned the bat, and this has been one of the more difficult prospects, I feel like, the last couple of years to kind of get a read on. Saw him make his major debut this year. There's no question. 
He's a joy to watch play center field. The speed is there. He looks the part. It doesn't take you very long to realize why there are people who are excited about Leone Tavares and what he could be. I think the biggest question has always been, how much is he realistically going to hit? And something that caught my attention in the Rangers top 10 prospects chat you did was someone asked you, could he be a Lorenzo Kane? And this is sort of one of the things that we've talked about a lot with Leody and studied a lot with him and are just going to be curious to see what he can do is a lot of the guys you think of in the major leagues that are, you know, great defense, bottom of the order hitter on championship clubs, they all way out hit what Leody did in the minors. The Kane example, he's obviously more than that, but, you know, Kane hit 294, 366, 429 in the minors. You look at a guy like Victor Robles, and I think that's actually an interesting comparison point for Leody Tavares, just because... Both were super young, both moved very quickly, both international signees made their debuts very, very young. And Robles has been that, that number eight hitter, great defense speed, but he's not been particularly productive at the plate in the major leagues. He's kind of on that line of 250, 320, 400 slug, which him, the Kevin Kiermeyer, Jackie Bradley Jr. group, that's on that 240, 250, 310 to 320, 400 slug range, which is pretty much the bare minimum you'd see from a first division center fielder. They all way out hit Leody. Uh, again, I go back to Robles. He hit 300, 392, 457 in the minors. Kevin Kiermaier is on the lower end of some of this, but even he was 276, 352, 398. Leody was 260, 323, 358 in the minors. I went back and looked and there's just not an everyday starting center fielder, no matter how good the defense and speed are that hit that poorly in the minors. The closest I could find in terms of the number of at-bats they got last year was Delino DeShields. Uh-huh. And I know the Rangers hope for a lot more than that. And DeShields actually, even he out hit Leody. So there's always guys who break precedent. Stats aren't everything, but at the same time, past performance is generally the best indicator of future performance. So I guess what I'm really trying to ask is where is the confidence that Leody can be the guy who breaks the mold? Yeah, I, I think you can start with the fact that he survived this year um, after, you know, what, 2018 was, was, was really bad. Right? I don't think there's any way to, to, to work around that. 2019 was a little better at double A, but still left something to be desired, obviously, in the power. But I think that what the Rangers saw this year there was power at the major league level. Um, there was a, a, a really good approach. I know he struck out a lot. <clears throat> Some of that, though, the Rangers asked him in trying to find more power to, to expand his own a little bit. And, and so there was some, some swing and miss, um, but it was kind of by design, I guess, as weird as that sounds. Um, but, but if you look at him, he, he walked a lot. He had the highest walk rate of his, of his career. In any level, I think the Rangers are encouraged by that. And again, the, the power is from both sides. So um, this is a guy that, that wasn't scared. And that's something I always, I hear a lot from, from like major league managers and coaches. And I've heard it for years. When a prospect comes up, one of the first things they'll, they'll say is this guy's not scared. So it, it, it didn't look like Leody was intimidated at all to suddenly be the starting center fielder uh, you know, the Rangers came home from that disastrous road trip, that disastrous week. It was uh, the, the four games lost to the Padres with the Grand Slams and the Tatis 3-0 swing and all that crap. And then they went to Seattle and got embarrassed. 
And then they came home and he was the starting center fielder. And then the Dodgers came to town, I don't know, three or four games later. He was great. I mean, he robbed Justin Turner of a three-run homer. He had a, he had big hits. I mean, you know, and, and you're talking about the eventual world champs. And he's, he's, he's playing. He was the Rangers' best player. I mean, I, I honestly think that the last six, five weeks of the season that Tavares was their best player. Um, so there, there's, there's stuff there. I think the Rangers see a foundation in his approach and, and at, at the plate that they didn't see necessarily at the minor leagues. And, and, you know, and they, they didn't just see it this summer. They saw it in spring training. Uh, they saw it over the off season, last off season. Um, so I, I think that that's where they get their optimism is from the growth he had from the end of the double A season to the end of this season. Yeah, certainly. And again, as you mentioned, there were certainly times in the major leagues where you saw him and he did things that made you say, wow, I'm going to be really curious to see just if that upward trend can continue and what he looks like next year over a full season, because if he does become what the Rangers think he can become, that's a huge part of a rebuild. All right, Jeff, I want to take a deeper dive into the system, but first a quick word from our sponsors. Jeff, you mentioned that this group of young, pretty clearly number one, the two to five range with Dunning included, pretty set. Take us through the back half of this list, six to 10. How many of these guys were firmly on there? How many of these guys were tentative and how interchangeable was it? Sure. I, I think, uh, well, uh, you know, Dunning, Dunning knocked everybody back a peg. So uh, Justin Foskey originally was in the top five yeah, at number five. And I was a little surprised to hear that. Or, yeah, because um, I, they didn't really get to see a lot. I mean, obviously, they, they scouted him extensively in college. Uh, he, he became part of the alternate camp at one point, um, but he, he didn't um, – from the time he was drafted, the time he came to the camp, he, he didn't – he hadn't done a lot. And so he was behind. And, and when he – you know, he caught up great, and then he went to, then he went to instructs. I think he was bothered by a, a little injury. So they didn't get to see a lot of him. But I guess what they, they did saw, I mean, they gush over him. They, I, I was, that, that was probably the most surprising thing in, in doing this was how much they loved Justin Foskey. I mean, they, they're talking middle of the lineup, 30 homer guy. I mean, I, I, was, just, I was really surprised. I, I, I thought he might be in the top 10, but I didn't think he'd be five and, and now six. So, um, that that really surprised me, uh, and and then uh, uh, Max Acosta, uh, Luis Angel, Cunha. Uh, I, I thought Acosta might might rate a little higher. Um, I, I thought he'd be higher than Foscue. I thought he'd be higher than Cole Wynn. Um, I, I I think just the fact that he hasn't played for a long, for a while that, that's one. Uh, he's still very very young. Um, and I, I think that he is, de you know, developing um, his speed isn't as, as what the Rangers thought it was, although they think it's going to develop. Um, they just, they, I think they really need to see him play. And I think you can say that about like Laura also. Um, they want to, they, they think they have somebody who's really good. No, don't get me wrong. I mean, they, you know, when the, the, the comp that I heard was, was Jerickson Profar, uh, you know, a guy who was a top prospect, the top prospect, and it's not necessarily the, the ability, 
but like the instincts and, and, you know, the, the desire to play and the love of the game, that, that type of stuff, they're all advanced. You know, he, he's 17 now, I think. And, and they're like, those instincts are missing in, in players who are a lot older than him. So, you know, that's, that's the, a, a great basis for a player, but I mean, all the talents there, he makes all the plays at shortstop, um, you know, a, a good solid player. Um, Acuna is interesting. He hits the ball so hard for, for a guy that's in a nice little compact unit. And of course he has the, the, the awesome bloodlines with his brother um, who, who had the great, late growth spurt that, that, you know, turned him in, took him from five, eight, five, nine to six feet, but that's a big difference. And so the Rangers are, are really hoping that that happens, but even if it doesn't, they, they've got a guy they think they have a guy who can play up the middle and who's going to hit a ton. So um, I thought it was, I thought, you know, the, the Venezuelan players couldn't go home uh, during the, the pandemic. It just so happened that, that Acuna could go hang out with his brother in, in Atlanta, you know, I mean, what better, what better crash course could you get, you know, hanging out with, with the guy who's one of the best players in baseball. So um, it, it's really interesting how much depth the Rangers could have up the middle um, with Foscu, Acuna, Acosta, other guys further down the rankings, you know, Cease, Chris Cease, a lot of gushing about Chris Cease too. Um then, then Hans Krauss is a, is a really interesting guy, I think. Uh, he didn't do anything this year, um, organized at least. You know, he was at spring training. Uh, he did not get invited to the uh, alternate camp. He did not participate in instructs. Uh, the Rangers are calling it uh, a personal matter. It's nothing bad. If you know, if you know the, the backstory on Krauss and his family life growing up, you immediately – jump to the, the worst case scenario. That's not it at all. Um, you know, he, he's still a guy who's got a ton of talent. Uh, he showed them a lot by pitching with the, the bone spurs in his elbow in 2019 and, and not missing a start. Uh, he was healthy in spring training and they liked what they saw. So, you know, that's, uh, that, that's, that's kind of how it, it shook out. You know, I, I don't know that Ocosta and Acuna are interchangeable. I think Ocosta's, uh, probably the, probably the, the, the safer of the two, the, the less risk, although there's still a ton of risk because they're so young, but um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it was, it was interesting. The, this whole process was very interesting for me. I, I thought I knew a lot about the farm system and I didn't. And um, so it, it was, it was great to, to learn about it, to, to hear scouts and, and Rangers officials, the, their thinking on it. Um, very enlightening. So, um, you know, after the first three or four or five, then it kind of, kind of got jumbled up a little bit in, in the top 10, but I, I, I feel pretty good about the way we settled it out. Who were some of the other players that were in consideration for the top 10 in the system that didn't quite make the cut? Yeah. Laura was, was, uh, he might've been bumped by Dunning actually, uh, if memory serves, uh, Davis Wenzel, uh, got some, got some, uh, pretty positive um, feedback, I guess you'd call it. Um, you know, a guy who has an advanced, you know, he's a college hitter. He was the co-player, co-Big 12 player of the year with, with Josh Young in, in 2019, uh, plays every position. Uh, the Rangers are going to have him at shortstop, which I think is pretty interesting at, at Frisco this year. Um, 
you know, they, they aren't sure about his power. They, they don't know that he's going to hit more than 15 home runs, but he's going to hit a lot of doubles and then find, find some gaps and hit to all fields and, and do, do a lot of things. So I don't know if that's sounds a lot like a Nick Solak uh, starter kit. Um, but, but he was a guy who I, I think um, nobody would have argued if we dropped him in the top 10. One of the more interesting players in this system, Evan Carter, was somewhat of a surprise second-round pick, just someone who wasn't known very well. But he went out and in instructional league was honestly the player outside of Josh Young on the Rangers that I got the most positive reviews on. He really, really made a positive impression on opposing evaluators in instructs. And I saw it was interesting. Again, there's always guys who get drafted that are kind of off the radar or one team is higher on them than some others. And there's history of guys like that not panning out and guys like that who do pan out. And I was just intrigued to hear that the early reviews on Evan Carter were pretty much all positive. Yeah, no, I, I was, uh, I was a little surprised to hear that too. Um, you know, I, I remember draft day and, and whatever, whichever program I was watching and they, they came back from commercial and the analyst said, well, I have no idea who this is. And, and, and so then, you know, that, that day on that night, as we're, you know, tweeting out our stories or whatever, people are just hammering the Rangers. And let's be honest, the Rangers have a pretty, pretty bleak history of success here uh, at the top of the draft. Um, I guess they've developed some major leaguers and then traded them away, but still you, you can, you have reason to question what they're doing just based on their draft history. And um, I felt bad for the kid, you know, cause you know, you, you, you hear about him. He's like, he was like the valedictorian, you know, he multiple sports uh, obviously sounds like he comes from a, a really solid family uh, a kid of faith. It just sounds like an awesome kid. And so here he is through no fault of his own getting, getting hammered or, you know, that's kind of the collateral damage, I guess, and the Rangers getting, getting beat up on social media. But uh, he, uh, yeah, you know, instructs, he, he came out, the, the thing that impressed the most, at least what I heard, was that his, his approach at the plate, very advanced. He, he walked as many times as he struck out during instructs, 17. And, and that just blew some Rangers people away. You know, what 18-year-old what comes in and, and does that? And, and Carter did it. Uh, you know, they, they you know, I'm sure they're biased, but you, you, hear, you hear them throw around five tools and this is a guy who's lanky. Uh, he has room to put on muscle, gain, gain a little weight, uh, healthy, you know, healthy weight. He's going to play center field at six foot four and, and 215, 220 pounds. Um, that, that, that's impressive. I think that says a lot about his athletic ability. Uh, but they think he can hit. They think he's going to hit for power. And they, they, they see five tools out of him. And, you know, obviously, time will tell. They're going to be very aggressive with him. It sounds like they're going to start him at low A. Um, which won't be too far from home. Um, you know, his parents can come down from Tennessee and see him in North Carolina. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, they, the Rangers expect him to be a top, top 10 to top five prospect next year. And that's, that's how high they are on him. And, 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 you know, again, they think if the high school season hadn't been, hadn't been canceled, then other teams would have gotten in on him by the time the draft came around. 
Yeah, that seemed to be a little bit of their guiding philosophy on a couple of their picks. Dylan McLean, a pitcher from the Northwest, Thomas Segesi, a shortstop from the San Diego area. I know those were two other guys that they were higher on than most other organizations, but I know that was sort of the guiding philosophy of feeling of, hey, if these guys had a full season into June, they would have been higher. So we'll see how it all works out, but the early reviews on Carter certainly piqued my interest. Jeff, one thing that has plagued the Rangers system, especially in recent years, is elbow injuries to their pitching prospects. In 2019, Owen White, Mason Engler, Cole Reagans all had Tommy John surgery. Taylor Hearn and Neri Rodriguez had season-ending elbow injuries. This year, we saw Ricky Venasco have Tommy John surgery. Ryan Garcia, their second-round pick last year, have Tommy John surgery. You mentioned Hans Kraus had elbow issues that plagued him throughout the 2019 season, even though he pitched through them. It's just been elbow injury after elbow injury after elbow injury, and we're literally talking about well over a half dozen of the organization's best pitching prospects having elbow injuries, and that's the type of thing that can absolutely sidetrack a rebuilding effort. So where is that, and what are some of the things the Rangers have done or are doing to reverse this trend? Yeah, well, I'll add uh, add Cal Cody to that mix because, I mean, he's – Another one, yep. And Alex Spees, let's 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 throw him on the pile. I mean, <laughs> these are guys who are top top thirty guys, and uh, um, you know it, it's it's interesting. Um, we spring training, we get to see a lot. You know, we 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 get to walk around, we get to walk inside the ropes. Um, not that there's a lot that that doesn't get uh, unseen from outside the ropes, but uh, if you if you watch the minor leaguers, especially, they go out and and they're using weighted balls now. I think the Rangers have, have uh, borrowed a lot of information from driveline and uh, in, in how to you know, add velocity but stay healthy and, and all that stuff. Um, Colby Lewis, he's a uh, uh, special assistant to the Rangers. He, he, he'd like to see him stretch a little more before they do it. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to see the transformation in, in two years. And uh, I, I think that you know, the injuries, uh, Cody, Reagan's the first time, and Spees predated uh, kind of this this move toward that. Um, you know, Mason Engler apparently overcooked himself during his offseason. Um, so that, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily uh, a Ranger-specific thing. White, though, you kind of you have some concerns about. Uh, you definitely have concerns about Benasco because if – that that that's a guy. If if Anasco had had not been injured, he probably would have been a top ten. So um, yeah, there's there's concerns all around. They, they like their rehab staff. They love Keith Comstock in Arizona, but I don't think they want to keep him so busy. Uh, so it's it's definitely a concern. And and you know John Daniels, we would ask him about it. He would kind of brush it off to say it's an industry wide thing, but then it it is Matthew Libator. Let's say yeah, there are other guys top prospects in the minors who are blowing out their elbows, but the quantity uh, with the Rangers is a definite cause, you know, cause for concern. They've, they've made changes um, on their medical staff. Uh, you know, they, they've looked into it, you know, their, their, their orthopedist, Keith Meister. Uh, he doesn't just work on Rangers. He works on players from all over the major leagues. He's, he's very concerned about it. So um it, it's an issue that's being addressed and, and something that, like you said, it, it kills a rebuild. I mean, these Cole Reagan's 
Cole Reagan should be in the majors, shouldn't he? I mean, he got drafted a long time ago, and he's had two Tommy Johns. So, um, you know, Kyle Cody probably should have been in the majors 2019, not, not this year. So, yeah, there are concerns there. Yeah, again, that's one of the things that I'll be interested to see if the Rangers can stem that tide again. Seeing Ryan Garcia and Ricky Venasco go down this year, I think is certainly concerning. And we talk so much about the Rangers and the rebuild and you have to draft well, you have to develop well, you have to make smart trades and all that's a big part of it. But if the players can't stay on the field, it almost, I want to say it doesn't matter, but they can't stay on the field. It's not going to work. So I think that's going to be something from my perspective that's going to be as important to watch as just, oh, who are they drafting? Well, and the, you mentioned this in the intro. They have the number two pick. And it's not just the number two pick in the first round. It's number two in all the following rounds, you know, which is a big deal pretty deep into the draft, I would say. They can't screw this up. <laughs> I mean, they, they cannot screw this draft up. If they're, you know, they're in this position for a reason. They were terrible. I'm not saying they tanked, but, you know, at the end, they weren't trying to win. Um they can't, they, they have, they have to hit. I mean, they can't, they can't have a, you know, no offense to Dylan Tate. They can't have a Dylan Tate. You know, the last time they drafted in the top five, they, they, they can't miss. And, and uh, I'd, I'll be interested to see which way they go uh, with that. But if, you know, there's a lot of attention on, there should be a lot of attention on the, the, you know, amateur scouting for the next six months, you know, they can't, they just got to get this wrong, right? They cannot, they cannot afford to miss here. We'll see how everything plays out and if they're able to make the most of this opportunity. In the meantime, Jeff, we appreciate your insight. And thank you for joining us and taking on the Rangers Prospect Handbook chapter for us this year. Oh, we man, really having you. Thank you guys for letting me do it. I, I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Well, everyone, that'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America Prospect Podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Jeff Wilson, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody.